is Thursday, March 3rd, 2022, and welcome to Conversations with Me. Taking a mental health day, I wanted to hop on here real quick and just discuss as to why. can't go into too much detail, meaning I won't be sharing names. But, story time. So, yesterday, coming off fresh, off of my thoughts on the Ukrainian conflict, and the Ukrainian-Russian conflict, and the Ukrainians' mistreatment and use of African immigrants, see to get ready and go into my place of employment. Now, it's a very intense environment anyway because I'm working fine fight of combating addiction, the epidemic within the pandemic, the opioid epidemic. So you can imagine it's a tense environment, but we try to make the best of it for these guys help them reach their best quality life. I've been working in human services, uh, I want to say, for 13 plus years, I guess. It started in 2008. It's probably a little more, forget my math, but it's a little fuzzy, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> anyway, but I digress. I arrive. Someone was on my caseload is in the middle of an investigation and trying to decipher whether we should keep him or not because he used the n-word towards another participant I will be remiss to say or to mention that obviously the participant that used the n-word was white and the participant on the receiving end was black and I'm telling this from a third party perspective because I was not there so everything will be alleged so it was reported that client A will call the uh, n-word bandit called client B the n-word and coming back from uh, a recovery meeting Staff was present, verified that was exactly what was said, but client A also mentioned that they had been punched in the face by client B. Now, I'm not here to tell anybody's truth, but I didn't see any physicalities of that. The next day, I can imagine if somebody gets punched in the face, uh, given the person's lighter hue, that would be visibly bruised but I did not see any bruising but give it time sometimes bruises take a long time to you know manifest itself in the capillary so it is what it is but once again I'm being put in a position as the resident black person I'm not the only black person that works there but he's on my caseload and they want to know how I felt about it and I 
explain my stance on it because I feel like it's better to make a moment a teachable moment, although I understand zero tolerance and I like that in that aspect because <clears throat> there should be zero tolerance for hate speech of any kind. So I suggested a teachable moment for both. And human services validating one's story is very important because a lot of these clients come from PTSD backgrounds and I don't want to further perpetuate their PTSD journey. So, you know, validation is used pretty well. So I thought it was a brilliant idea to not focus on who was right and who was wrong, but to make mandatory, let's see, consequences. If one, in fact, did use the N-word, then he should be going to cultural sensitivity classes, be put under a contract, and that the next time he becomes forgetful and use or so chooses the word again, or to use the word again, he should then be terminated. Let's teach him first. Same with the other. If he allegedly placed his hands on someone, <clears throat> which is in no way acceptable, but we want to honor both members' PTSD. Because believe me, violence is a reaction if you grew up in an environment where violence was perpetuated. It is a PTSD reaction. No matter how <clears throat> this Anglo-Saxon nation wants to dismiss that amongst POC people of color. It's almost like we can't get angry, but they can get angry. They understand their anger, but they don't understand our anger. We're aggressive. Why are you so aggressive? I feel threatened right now by just words, but I digress. Anywho, he should be introduced to anger management. Same thing, contractual agreement. Should he fall back into old behaviors? Yeah, then be terminated. out that way you know I'll give it to my company they weren't always on point with zero tolerance in regards to racial behavior but within the last year and a half maybe two they have appointed someone to be in charge of a social justice sector and she's doing a good job in educating and bringing certain things into light so I'm happy about that I'll give flowers where flowers is due. But it was still a very intense day. Because I had to make a choice. <laughs> I was at the forefront of maybe about, let me count on my hand. Faced in front of six 
white people asking my opinion on this. And I decided to tell white folks the truth yesterday about how I felt about everything. Now, a lot of people aren't familiar with this. Other races aren't familiar with this. But black people are very familiar with something called code switching. It's when you literally have to hang your blackness at the door to be able to survive in an Anglo-Saxon environment, i.e. bureaucracy. settings which I like to call modern day slavery settings there's a strict code of rules and ethics to abide by I think the workers should be a part of the mission statement and making the rules but a lot of times that does not happen. It's a bunch of corporate big wigs up at the top sitting down, discussing on their vision for the company, and then just kind of clicking in outsiders into that. <clears throat> so you can imagine under those rules is maybe direct bluntness is not Again, in my mind, fresh is that conflict or that image of seeing African immigrants not being allowed on a train. So I look at these folks and I say, well, this is how I feel like the matter should be handled since he's my client. Client A. And we're banded. And I feel like we should make this a teachable moment. But then I proceeded to do something different and say, because I understand as him being a descendant of white supremacy, although it was not right, it is his go-to default. Much like it's yours. And I said that to these people. I said it much like it's yours. Anybody ever seen an episode of the Boondocks? It's the first episode in which Huey is dreaming he's at a garden party with a bunch of white folks. (laughs) And he proceeds to tell them the truth. And they go nuts. My favorite line out of his rant was the last line, and Ronald Reagan was the devil. And these motherfuckers went crazy. <laughs> Yo, that shit was hilarious. But that was in his dream state when his grandfather woke him up and said, Are you telling white people the truth again? He said, But granddad, I have to. He had to. He had to live his truth. Huey. Anyway, the episode 
further goes on to progress and they actually end up at a real fucking garden party. And the granddad is mad, nervous as fuck. I'm going to go back because his advice when he woke up, Huey, was, don't you go tell white people the truth. I'm going to find me a white man to lie to right now. <laughs> and I thought about it because it was a parallel between, it showed the parallel between the elderly black generation and the, the way they think, and then the young black generation at the time and the way they think. They want to revolutionize, whereas the black folk old black folk don't want no trouble anyway he ends up at a real garden party with these folks and then he says I guess or thinks himself oh well this is my fucking chance I can tell these white people the truth so he proceeds to repeat everything in his dream ending with and Ronald Reagan is the devil exact opposite happens these people do not go crazy for hearing the truth they wind up saying oh how adorable is he <laughs> and it was in that moment that Huey understood the deeply ingrained, unbothered position of white privilege. These people were rich. I do believe that was his line. Granddad, these people are rich. They don't care. <laughs> and that's going to tie into my story. Because I'm going to tell you how things further unfold yesterday. <laughs> so, I tell these people... I understand it and I'm in a place in my life where I'm practicing acceptance not tolerance of it but acceptance of the fact that tell the white people the truth all you want they don't give a fuck they really don't they don't give a fuck and, I'm sh- and my story is going to further explain why so they all get bug-eyed and looked at me like, oh shit, she recognizes the fact that, you know, although we're liberal and we want to act like we care, a lot of the stuff that we enforce is because certain things aren't socially acceptable anymore. I got to keep my job, so I have to enforce this. They didn't want to make it a real teachable and learning moments for these fellas. They could have done something really good. But I understand protecting another dude. I understand protecting both of us. Maybe they thought it'd escalate. But I digress. So I says to them, I know it's deeply ingrained in you. I know it's your default and your go-to. Let's make this a teachable moment. I'm practicing acceptance around it. And although I do not tolerate it, I feel like a teachable moment would be 
more effective than termination. Long story short, a young gentleman got terminated. Client A, N-word bandit, and was emotional, and it was hard to see. But he said something interesting to me. He said he didn't mean it in a racial term. He meant it in the way the person's behavior was, i.e. and forgive my French. He meant he was acting niggerish. Now, this is a term that black people definitely understand because we use it as well. There's a difference. I can't remember the comedian. I think it was Chris Rock. And he said, look, you know, I understand the N-word and everything. But sometimes niggas just be acting like niggas. And black folk can't get down with that. Y'all be acting niggerish. And what that term, basically, to give it context, means is, like, no class, like, ratchet, like, not being able to be aware of your environment and just, like, a nonchalant, apathetic attitude to everything, to everything. So I guess you could say all races could be niggerish because that behavior exists no matter who you are. So I look at him and I say, oh, I validate your feelings on that. I know exactly what you mean. But I have to explain to you, sir, the origin or the reason, I should say, which is a better word. Why is it someone of my hue would take offense to you using it? You can't say it. You just can't. Let me tell you why. Years and years of being called that. That's going to take a psychological toll so how I feel my community has handled it is we're taking the word and we're making it our own we're possessing it we're empowering it we're giving it a different connotation so that we can ease the hurt of hearing that shit make sense to you but how a person deals with their own PTSD is their business their business now I'll play devil's advocate and I'll go on the other side of the argument is has the word help improve the image of black people I would have to say no I would have to say no. And I'll tell you why I think that I was listening to, a, or watching rather, 
a segment of The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Or was it an interview? Either way, this man said that there is a racial term and they used in South America that was eradicated out of the books and language and, and publications in South America. I want to say it starts with a C and forgive me, I am not saying this correct. Caveat, I do believe it's C-A-V-E-T-E or Kaif. Look it up. Look it up because it's an interesting point. And he said because of the fact that it was illegal to use or eradicated from the books in South Africa, the word doesn't exist. It became extinct. Now, does that mean interactions between black South Africans and white South Africans like improved? No, they probably still got a little racism over there. Well, a lot of it. But it definitely improved the respect and images of those South Africans, black South Africans. But everybody has free will and so shall they deal with their PTSD as they like. So, after I explained to the young man why it's not okay for him to use it and why we use it in our community, some of us choose not to, but the majority do, he understood that point. And that's where I work from. How willing are you to see or open your ears to listen to understand another person's point of view? He said, I get it. I get it. I know I shouldn't have said it. I know how hotbed of an issue it would, it would have came to be. But it's it was his default. Same way it is Ados's default to respond with force because we live in environments where hostility and aggression is always thrown towards us is that white supremacist descendants default to go to that n-word I'm not giving that shit power and working in that environment I have had let me see my boss used the n-word to my face in context, she was quoting another participant and she ended with the GA. I would say a co-worker of mine used the N-word to my face, about three of them. And yes, they're all white. And you know what's so funny is that when they said it, they all kind of looked at me like it was a little slight wince. And it was like getting ready for it. Here comes the boom. Here comes the boom. Here comes the boom. If you know that that's a DMX song. But hell yes. And you know what I did in that moment? 
followed my intuition and I said, oh yeah? Wow. And looked back at my fucking computer and went about my fucking business. Through my peripheral, I could see a little bit of disappointment. So I also say black people think about it. Yes. Anyone who says that word to you will cause a visceral reaction. And sometimes it could deserve a motherfucking blow to the face. But I ask my community to take a step back in that moment. And one, ask what good would that do? And two, ask if you're being further enslaved by giving them power to make you react to that word. I brought up the Trevor Noah story because if you want to change your image and you want to rebrand yourself, it's rather odd to take on the very thing that hurts you, although I get it. understand the psychology behind it but I ask you to think differently because we're coming up on a new age does it make sense to take that word and popularize it the very word that you don't want to hear hurled towards you by another group of people who put themselves on a pedestal far from it they are. Just have to put that in there. And think that they're better than you. Does it make sense to give them that power? To which you have popularized the word and allow it to react, take control of you. You yourself popularized it. You're putting it out there and getting upset when they use it. Now, I was watching a video today this morning and Lauren Hill it was a, made a quote and said, if you're not growing, you're dead. It's our job to grow in thought process in character and personality. To know better is to do better. So how long are you going to cl- cling onto this possession of this word that is filled with so much fucking hate? Conflict and contention behind it and try to make it popular or positive. To some degree, yeah, you made it a term of endearment amongst us but if the hurt is still there and it's 2022 it's time to get that shit up it's time to get that shit up because just like Trevor Noah said it was made that word was illegal obsolete out of the books and the literature and the image of black South Africans and the respect they received 
in regards to changing the way they carried themselves or not accepting that racial slur, protesting behind it to get rid of it. I think it's something to visit. I think taking a look at revisiting the usage of this word amongst our community is worth it. We have to change and rebrand our image on a global platform. That's a full diaspora. We are the largest fucking diaspora in the globe. And we got to get it together. And part of that is rebranding us, unifying us. So, as you can imagine, after I told them white people the truth, they it got a little awkward that day after. You know, everybody's looking at me, kind of walking on eggshells. Because like, up until then, I'm, I really code switch like a motherfucking expert. Because I was of the mind of granddad in the boondocks is what good is it going to do to tell white people the truth but now I'm on the side of Humi because I understand that telling them the truth is not for them it's for fucking me it's for me it's to heal me it's for me to be okay with me to accept me unapologetically so they decided to terminate the kid and then obviously it sparks off little side conversations and stuff like that so I had to get out more so I go to one of the administrators and I'm like you know I feel bad because of the fact now the nature of it here comes the nature of the attic if I'm introduced to stress external I have to find an outlet because I don't like to feel what I'm feeling right now and that's all I could now the human service worker the natural humanitarian in me comes out and I'm like yo man I don't like to think that I wouldn't want either of them, client A and word bandit, client B, rope dope. <laughs> I wouldn't want neither of them to be discharged and be put in a position where they have to indulge in their addictive behaviors and be found dead. this field and I know people say oh, I don't want you to get out the field no, I like helping people I like helping people it makes me feel good fulfilled it's my natural nature well boundaries of course but I could do it I could help people in a safe constructed environment 
under these circumstances. I was telling the administrator, you know, I really don't feel bad, man. I feel bad. I, I don't, although I understand no tolerance and what he said was very, very wrong. I felt like making a teachable moment could prevent a life lost. Now he has supports. I feel he's, I know he's, I heard he's doing well. Support came to pick him up yesterday and I was happy. His sponsor, so I'm, I'm glad he's in good hands, like all state, y'all. conversations that ensued after that it's like now everybody's being extra nice to me and that's not the reason why I told y'all the truth white people because now y'all know I understand that or I could see you it's like they thought they were hiding their behavior or their um unintentional intentional prejudices in plain sight and what I did yesterday was unveil the curtain and now it's weird, you know, oh, they're being nice, and, and I'm like, oh, just, just be you, just be you, because my world don't revolve around you, I said what I had to say, but I'm very intellectual, and I could be able to compartmentalize my feelings on it logically, because I'm not giving you the power to of the happiness of my world. Like, you're not in charge of that, I am. I don't give two shits what y'all do. I don't break bread with y'all. I work with you, but I don't break bread with you. Because I like to break bread with people who will understand me and be willing to become allies. Now here's where it gets interesting, all right? Now that the kid is terminated, it seems admin and other white co-workers feel okay about it like they did their part but want to further have on conversations with me and ask me how I feel about it and I told them how I felt about it I just repeated what I said and I felt like making a teachable moment would have been more effective you know but I do understand the no tolerance side of it but I feel like I told them I said I feel like having conversations like these and airing things out and and your group of people accepting the fact that racism is innately ingrained in you because you can't change something you don't recognize. And I was just met with a bunch of like, you know, dismissal, dismissive faces, very like nod your head. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. It felt ice cold. It felt very bureaucratic. It felt inhuman. One of the administrators say to me, or tries to give me the best advice that they can, yes, I understand how you feel. You know, I get it. And thank you for explaining the it. 
but you know, we work in an environment where we have to check our personal feelings at the door. (laughs) And when I said to him, I said, I wish I could, but I can't. I'm not the one that made it personal. What people made it personal? You. And I told him this. I said, you all made it personal because I can't eat, shit, sleep, piss, walk down the street, go to the store without being watched. That's making it personal. And he looked at me and he said, he shook his head and he said, you know, I don't, I I just don't see it that way. I can't understand that. I, I just don't see it that way. I said, and you can't see it that way because the fact that you can do all those things I listed and you can't relate to it and it doesn't dawn on you is the very benefit of your white privilege. And I said that. I told white people the truth yesterday. I didn't mean it in a disrespectful way. I never do. But once again, telling them the truth is not for them, it's for me. It's for my PTSD, my people's PTSD. For years, whenever anything has ever happened in my community, due to at the hands of this white supremacist system that we live in, in the United States, we've been told to placate to it. Don't make any noise about it. Like, in the early days, we're not going to play the 30s, 40s, 50s. And down south, people walk down dirt roads and disappear. And families couldn't make noise about it. So even that dismissive attitude is ingrained in the descendants of white supremacists. Yeah. You can't change something you don't want to recognize. So after I said what I said to this administrator, he says to me, well, you know what you'd be good at? You you should join that social justice committee we have. I said, absolutely. She's doing great work. I'll think about that. And then I said, why don't you join with me? Because the more allies in the fight help. And history has shown that civil rights became more progressive when you had white allies because the change has to come from that community. My community's behavior, although it is not excused, we're not going to act like it's not a reaction to what's being done to us. Who even knows that if we were treated like humans in this country and like our lives matter, we would have probably a different reaction to the shit. Think about that. So you know what he says to me? He says, and I'm 
not gonna invalidate him because he probably does. Oh, gee, man, you know, I would, but I do have a lot going on in my life right now and I just can't. <laughs> That's what he says. And I'm not gonna invalidate him. He probably has some personal issues going on. Sure he does. He's not at liberty to say or share that with me. But the irony of it all. To think that because you enforce and enlisted a zero tolerant policy, you did your part. And it was in that moment found myself sitting in the chair having the same epiphany Huey did in that Boondocks episode. Oh, they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck enough to have a conversation and actually work side by side with you to eradicate systemic racism. Because of white privilege because a lot of them do have generational wealth. A lot of them may not be rich, but they definitely, in comparison, and the numbers show it, to my community, huge gap of generational wealth, and we're not going to play like that's not the result of 400 fucking years of free labor. Anybody could get ahead when you got free labor that you are not paying for and your country was built on the foundation of that free labor for 400 years. No payment, did not pay, built this country, nigga. You understand? Listening. This is conversations with me.